This episode brought to you by the Roster Up Media Network, home to tangible insights for the NFL and fantasy sports. Check us out at rosterupmedia.com. Week five, the NFL season. Welcome back to the Roster Up Media DFS show focused on DraftKings adjusted plays, but of course they apply across the board to all your DFS platforms. Thank you for joining us, Rob. What's up, my man? What's going on, man? Always nice to do this in the middle of the week, break up the week a little bit, talk some football. Uh, we got a couple of good games here. I'm excited to talk about last week as well. Yeah. How was last week for you? It was good. I mean, like I was just talking to you about it that I think like, a trend I noticed was there was just a lot of points across the board. It felt like in every game there was a couple guys that just went off um, besides the Texans, of course. But, um, I, I mean, it, I had a really nice week uh, with a couple of the plays we talked about last week. Um, all the plays I played were a part of the player pool, so that's looking good there for another week. So good to see things um, that we're discussing are paying off. But, uh, unfortunately it wasn't as profitable as it could have been. Uh, I just didn't have a lot of time towards the weekend to, uh, enter a whole bunch of contests. So I won the contest I was in, I was in the money in all of them, but it wasn't, uh, nearly enough. Um, can't get greedy, but it was one of those weeks where I wish I played a little bit more, but, uh, you know, those, that happened. So as long as I'm profitable, I'm happy. So it was a good week for me. What about you? Yeah, it was a pretty solid week. I was pretty happy with the way everything went. I had a lot of Mahomes and um, Tyreek Hill with some Jonathan Taylor sprinkled in, just kind of going right by the player pool. And, and some of those mini stacks that I talked about, um, I mean, same exact thing that you were talking about. It was just a high-scoring week across the board. There was just a lot of guys that were, especially in PPR, that were sitting right there in the low to mid-20s for point totals. Um, you know, and, and a lot of them, I noticed ownership was – you know, like on the DJ Moores, the Amari Coopers, like they were guys we liked. They were um, mini stacks that we liked. We didn't really target either quarterback a ton, even though they were player playable. But that Dallas Carolina game really liked a lot of uh, 1v1 stacks, you know. Um, uh, Cooper Moore, Cooper. I had a little bit of Cooper and Terrace Marshall uh, when I needed a cheap wide receiver. I had Moore and Marshall in a couple lineups with a Sam Darnold. That was a nice, nice play overall. Sam Darnold ended up being QB one. I wish I had more of him because at that price, it really worked out. But you just had you had several quarterbacks scoring about twenty seven or more points. You had a lot of receivers like DJ Moore was thirteen to fifteen percent owned. Amari Cooper was about fifteen to eighteen percent. You just had a lot of receivers right there that were high scoring like you you had them perform well terry mclaurin had a lot of terry mclaurin and um he was sitting there in 10 to 15 percent owned so it really kind of made the distribution across the board fairly even and i think that's why you kind of could have a solid lineup like probably your best lineup of the season a couple of my lineups were the best i've had all year and they were profitable but it was just such a high score and we could cross the board. You you had to really be right in seven, eight, nine spots as opposed to, you know, in single entry, the small field tournaments, you can sometimes really get up there with being right, just six, seven spots. You had to be right a little more um, in all your spots this week. So I think that's kind of um, what made it. But the player pool, yeah, I was, I was pretty happy with it this week. Article um, hit really well. Hopefully we can keep that moving forward. Um, 
you know, cause on a week to week basis, there can be a lot of variance there, but the process has been good thus far. Uh, my lineups personally have been improving. I liked a lot of the stacks that I had last week. It was actually my best week. Um, but again, just like you said, it was the profitability wasn't what it would be like in a normal week because it was just such a high scoring week from an NFL standpoint. Um, just a lot of PPR points being distributed all throughout the field. So, you know, you had a lot of guys sitting there in that 20 to 23 range. If you had the guy that scored 23 at $400 cheaper then you know, you might've outpaced someone um, that had a higher ceiling stack that spent a little more for the similar point distribution. So I think that's kind of the way it went. Um, but, you know, it was a good week overall for uh, a lot of our readers. So I was very excited about that. So a couple of things you mentioned. Um, my main line had Darnold and DJ Moore. So that was an awesome, yeah, that was a 70 point outing from two guys that were, you know, Darnold was only 6K and we were talking about it last week. I think you said to me, would you pay 6K for Darnold? And I was like, man, I don't know. Uh, the way he's playing, you certainly could. And I ended up doing it. And he, like you said, finished QB1. So that was a really nice turnout. Jonathan Taylor finally had somewhat of a breakout game. I think there's going to be, he's going to have a bigger games this year throughout the season. But I mean, 6,300 scoring 23 points was, was pretty nice. Um, my highest pay, you know, my, my uh, most expensive guy was my lowest scoring guy, which was kind of, weird and that was travis kelsey uh 8100 mm. usually don't pay up for tight end but we talked about this on sunday throughout the games you know it was a tyree kill week and tyree kill went off as he does every couple of weeks um and kelsey's typical you know average between 18 and 20 whatever it may be uh he was, was significantly below that at only 6.3 points so if he had a normal week i mean i would have been even in better shape but I can't complain with how it went. Uh, a couple guys really snapped. And then I'll get into uh, Chuba Hubbard when we talk about the Panthers today. But he was a little disappointing for for what I thought would, would turn out. But that's kind of my recap for last week. I think um, definitely some solid plays this week. Um, some more fun ones to talk about. Well, let's let's start talking about them. And we're going to lead it off with an absolute trash can of a game. I mean, <laughs> garbage time from quarter one. I, mean, I, I I'm not going to have much from this game. Any anything with New England and Houston is going to be um, a hard fade for me. Uh, but New England is a nine point favorite, thirty nine point total. Don't you just love when it's 2021 and you see uh, Vegas over under like under 40 points? That's just that's just pitiful. That's the consensus rankings for you listeners. That's what we go by. Is just the uh, Vegas insider consensus that kind of helps get gauge where the market thinks. Uh, the pace and shootout of this game could be not a ton of pace going to be happening here. New England going to play a little quicker than Houston. I'm not really going to play anyone from this game, but I'm sure on the New England side, there's someone that will pop off against this just absolutely horrendous Houston defense. What about you, Rob? Yeah, you said it all. I think my first note of the whole week was on this game. Obviously, as we go in order, it's just a lousy game to start out with, um, unfortunately. And, I think we can move on pretty quickly from this, but the only two plays you can even look at, in my opinion, before you get into deeper analysis is uh, Hunter Henry at 3,700. I think he's playable. Um, that's the price range we look at against the worst team, the worst team against tight ends this year to date. Uh, they're ranked 32nd against tight ends. 
So I think Hunter Henry may have an option here to have a nice little game. But um, and then secondly, Patriots defense. But again, I usually don't pay up that much. I mean, you're you're paying significantly higher than you normally would for a defense at 4,900. Now, if they do what Buffalo did last week with 21 points, it pays off. But the odds that happen are pretty slim, I think. So, um, well, who knows? I mean, Davis Mills had like 50 passing yards the entire game. So it's definitely possible. But uh, Buffalo also had like three or four turnovers and who knows what else. But uh, I don't foresee that happening. Um, but again, if you, if you want 4,900 against the Texans, they look terrible. They look as expected as people expected. Um, Tyrod going down really has hurt them. And I don't think anything good is going to happen this week for them. oh what a way to lead this show you could play the texas defense at 2300 we like cheap defenses they're so bad i I don't even know that i want to go there because i i really spend over 2500 for a defense but maybe they're the one this week honestly i'm more likely washington at 2300 or even the eagles and if donald's been hot at 2200 even when you look at the texans you're like all right let me find the cheapest defense there's still way better options at 22, 2300 um, against a Patriots team that isn't terrible, but you know, it's a young rookie quarterback in the Pats. I, they're not really going to blow up, but they are interesting note here. I'm not playing any one from this game, except the tight ends are optional. If the salary falls, um, I'm with you there, Janu or Henry, either one, if you got 33, 3,700 is fine. Um, apart from that, there's no one I've, that's a must play to me in any of these. If Damian Harris wants to fall, if he falls right into your lineup, I'm going PPR plays on DraftKings. So I'm rarely ever touching Damian Harris. He does get the red zone goal line opportunities, but I'm just not going to uh, play a guy that's not going to be prone to catching a lot of passes on a PPR format. I don't know what his FanDuel price is, but some of you people uh, out there that listen do play FanDuel. Always take a look at him, see if, see if he'll be a better fit on the non-PPR uh, standard scoring side of the ball. But interesting note here, the Pats are 11th in pass rate over expectation. It's kind of surprising to see that. So they are trying to throw the ball, let Mac Jones throw the ball um, more than expected. So I think that's an interesting note moving forward, like a long-term outlook. But when it comes to this game this week, oh, I would actually really hate to have to sit and watch this game. I don't expect them to pop up on red zone too much, but I do expect Detroit and Minnesota to pop up on red zone. 49-point total in this game. Not a lot of pace overall expected, but these are two defenses that are highly vulnerable, so a shootout is possible. What are you looking at for the Detroit and Minnesota game? Well, as always, I mean, you have your typical – you know, Dalvin, if he's healthy, you have your Jeffersons, your Thielens. I mean, Thielen's been getting the high, the high targets still. He just hasn't scored as many touchdowns as he did early on, um, you know, in week one and two, but he's definitely playable. I mean, 6,600, he dropped 200 from last week. Uh, he's one of Kirk Cousins' favorite options, obviously. And then Jefferson's been scoring like an animal. Uh, he's kind of taken those touchdowns away from Thielen, but who knows? Like he, like we always say, I mean, I hate saying this every week, but it's a coin, a coin toss between the two of them. Uh, Jefferson's probably been more solid the last two weeks. Thielen was really good early on. Um, but again, I mean, it's, it's anyone's game in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins kind of came back to earth last week. Uh, I think he only had, let's see, 11 points. Yeah. So he's priced kind of where he should be based on what he's done this year so far. And then a pretty bad week last week, but uh, last week, I did mention that Goff was kind of a cheap, sneaky play. And 
I mean, he didn't do terrible. 18 points for $5,200. I mean, he surpassed his value. Uh, he only went up $100. And like you said, if they have this shootout, um, that's a really good play in golf at 5,300. I think uh, there's a lot of points to be had in this game. It's just depending on where it's going to come from. DeAndre Swift, I don't know. Last week was weird. Like they just gave Jamal Williams all of the carries. I mean, he had eight eight carries for 16 yards. And I mean, I, I know he's a little banged up, but I don't know. I don't love playing the uh, Detroit backfield just yet. Um, they were hot to start, but I don't know right now. Uh, other than that, I mean, that's kind of where I'm looking at. I mean, Hawkinson at 5,500, maybe he's a little pricey. Um, I think I'd rather go one of those Patriots tight ends probably and hope that one of them gets in the end zone. But it's same old crew from this game, I think, unless you have any other, like, you know, cheaper guys. I think KJ Osborne's been pretty good. He's getting significant targets. So, I mean, at, at 3,800, you just have to hope he falls in the end zone instead of one of these other guys at some point. But um, that's kind of where I'm at here. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I mean, if he's playing at full capacity, I think he's a no-brainer at 8,400 against one of the worst rush defenses. Yeah, I'm a little nervous about Dalvin Cook's ankle. He, he went hobbling off the field last week. I feel like they should have given him a little extra time off. I mean, are you concerned about – I for starters, yes, it should be an absolute smash spot for Dalvin Cook. Um, are you kind of concerned about that ankle? Yeah, if if he's not 100%, I'm probably going to fade him. Uh, If he doesn't play, Madison's a no-brainer. I mean, Madison went Mm -hmm. off when he didn't play, so why not again against, again, one of the the lower-end rush defenses. At 5,500, that would be a massive leverage play. Um, Now, will it be leverage if it comes out, you know, Friday that Dalvin Cook's not playing? I think Madison will be highly owned, Mm -hmm. but... Like we always say, the cheaper guys that have the opportunity to blow up gives you so much more money to play elsewhere. And we mentioned it last week. It's not, it's not a bad thing to play someone that's going to be highly owned just because um, if they go off, then you get those points. It's not like you. It's not like a hundred percent of the field is going to be playing them. So that's something I'll look out for. Um, if Dalvin's not a hundred percent, I probably won't play him. But if he has good reports towards the end of the week. I'll definitely consider it. Yeah, if he's healthy, he's easily in a, um, an absolute smash spot. At 8400 that's a great price. I mean, Dalvin was just over 9 k a couple weeks ago. He had the injury uh, that slowed him down, kind of skewed some of his stats. So, you know, the DraftKings algorithm is just like putting me in there at a, at a great price point. It did, did the same thing with um, Alexander Madison, pricing him down to 5,500 after he was just 6,600 last week in 6K the week before when Dalvin was actually out. So um, if Dalvin is out again yet, yeah, Madison will be chalk, but he's even cheaper than when he was a couple weeks ago uh, when he was a chalky play and Dalvin Cook was out. That's an interesting one to watch for sure. Either running back is in a great spot against the Lions. Um, Jefferson Thielen always going to rotate. I'm going to take Thielen this week because of the price. There's an $1,100 difference between the two of them. So that price and discrepancy is really starting to grow. We got Justin Jefferson priced up at 7,700, which honestly it's fine. It's about time they got, um, him priced up a little higher. He's, he's got a much higher ceiling than Adam Thielen overall, I believe. Uh, I do think he's a premier play in this game, but Adam Thielen at 6,600, um, I think he's going to be the more affordable piece just based off of how I'm building uh, my lineups, not really playing either of these quarterbacks. I know in the past 
Kirk Cousins double stacked with these guys has actually been pretty solid uh, quite a bit this season. Um, but I, I'm not looking to go that route. I'd rather grab a quarterback with a little more rushing equity. Um, myself, DeAndre Swift, perfectly playable. I think he's going to be fine. I'm not looking at any wide receivers from Detroit. TJ Hawkinson is always playable because he's basically the wide receiver one. But DeAndre Swift, awful week for him last week, only 8.9 points. But he still had six targets, uh, six, uh, four catches for 33 yards. I think some of that will uh, get cleaned up in the future. I think he'll have better days ahead from a rushing standpoint. Chicago is just a good defense against running backs. That's all there is to it. Um, they, they slowed down. Uh, what the Lions want to do front is kind of something that was expected. I think against Minnesota, they'll be able to get the ball moving just a little more than they were against Chicago. So I think Swift is very playable at 6,100 if you want to do some single stacks or correlations with the Minnesota side of the football. I'm not going running back, running back correlation, although this would want to be one of the rare few instances where you could do that. 99.9% of the percent of the time, I'm never going to recommend correlating your running backs. But if there's an instance where Cook is out, Swift and Madison could actually be reasonable to work. Vikings get a lead, throw the ball to Swift a lot in comeback mode. Um, that's one of the rare instances where that could work. Uh, I'm definitely not recommending it, but I did want to just put that thought process out there. If someone was looking to get um, some sort of crazy leverage in large field tournaments, because that's going to be a rare combo that you're going to see in most lineups. Uh, more of a game theory play there, something, uh, like you said, unlike that I'll have. But as I look at those salaries, think about what could be uh, from a game script perspective. That's certainly one that you could play out and uh, make fit reasonably based off of uh, potential game scripts. I don't know. What do you think about playing running back, running back in the same lineup? I'm not you know, in our tournaments, like the single entry, small field, it's just not going to happen. But if you're sitting there looking at a large field, let's say 20, 30,000 people playing in the Millie Maker, um, you kind of got to really get, you don't have to get overly crazy, overly cute, but there's got to be a couple unique things that you do to raise that ceiling. I know we normally don't go this route with game theory on our pods, like from a large field perspective. What would you think about Madison Swift should Dalvin Cook be out? I think, I mean, Madison's definitely in play if, if Cook is out for me. Uh, and, again, it comes down to contest selection. I mean, there there's so many ways to go depending on the contest that you enter. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a bad idea if, you, if you're in the bigger contest, like you said. But uh, the contest type I play is probably not going to require that type of, you know, running back, running back option. But Madison for me is is the number one back here if Cook is out, and I think the same goes for Cook if Cook is healthy. I mean, I think that's kind of everyone's consensus. I don't think that's like a a sneaky play, but um, yeah, I think mm -hmm. I think it's possible. It's a, like I said, it's, DraftKings is so much about the type of contest you enter um, and how you build around you know the contest structure. So mm -hmm. if that's the type of that that's the type of thing you're doing, then yeah, I think it's definitely definitely playable. Yeah, you don't see a lot of running back, running back lineups opposing running backs at the top of GPPs. It's just that's one of those that could fit um, if you're locking in Alexander Madison would be certainly be um, interesting. That's going to be something I'm going to look at at the end of the week. I don't think I'm going to look at it and put it in my lineup, but uh, I want to go back, make note of 
um, how these two kind of correlate because of DeAndre Swift. He's got that safe role in comeback mode. And I think it could be something to make note of moving forward, just in terms of looking at tournament leverage, if there is something there. And maybe it's just making it out bigger than it needs to be. Uh, but it's definitely one of those things to look at. And I'm like, all right, there's some interesting game three here. Uh, but we'll move on to New Orleans and Washington, where uh, because of pace, you know, a little bit lower of a total here. I always liked Washington's pace. I like the uh, pace of play they get there. But, uh, and they're typically top 10, but New Orleans does want to slow it down, grind you out. New Orleans has the, uh, their passing offense. I was looking at some data from them. It's, it's very interesting, very interesting. Um, they have the least amount of targets distributed to their wide receivers in the league, to their top three wide receivers. And in addition to that, they have the widest distribution throughout their offense um, when it comes to throwing the football. So basically what I mean there is you look at Deontay Harris, Alvin Kamara, and Marquez Callaway. They're their top three receivers, right? Compared to Boyd Higgins Chase. Boyd Higgins Chase have nearly 80% of the targets in their offense. Deontay Harris, Alvin Kamara, Marquez Callaway have about 50% of their targets in, in their offense, which is last in the NFL. So their top three targets their most concentrated targets um, is going to be far lower in volume than the top three for something like the Bengals offense. So even though someone like Alvin Kamara could have a concentrated target share, when I look at this game, I'm like, could Kamara work? Um, could Callaway work against the Washington defense has been struggling. And when you look, when I look at those, um, the distribution of target shares and the overall volume um, in that passing offense. For me, this game, uh, in addition to the pace, this game's a complete stay away. I don't have any plays for this game right here unless you want to maybe find the tight end that's going to be filling in for Logan Thomas now that he is on IR. Apart from that, because of Terry McLaurin's price, I think his uh, ceiling is lowered against the New Orleans defense, which has been exposed at times but got – has gotten much healthier the last couple of weeks. Antonio Gibson, I'm not playing a running back against the Saints um, defense. I know Barkley broke free last week on a wheel route and then scored that game winning touchdown from the from the goal line. But there are some plays, some skill position players in this game that I would typically love. But when I kind of dive into uh, the metrics here on the New Orleans side of the ball and then factor in the pace and then look at the prices on the Washington side, it's a complete stay away from me. What about you? In disagreement there either. I think if this, I mean, we always talk about Antonio Gibson or um, we haven't mentioned much of McKissick, but McKissick's been pretty good as well, but it's not the game. This is not the game I'm going to play them in, um, especially 6,400 against a really good rush defense uh, and good defense overall, honestly. It's probably not for me. Uh, I will say, Heineke and McLaurin have been balling. So uh, if you did play them, I wouldn't say it's the worst thing in the world. I think Heineke and Daniel Jones have a lot of similarities in the way they play and Jones torched them last week. So uh, who knows? They may, you know, they could be preparing for that though. So um, I don't have much here either. I mean, if it's anyone, it's, it's McLaurin, but again, like you just said, the ceiling is lowered with the price point. So if I'm paying 7,400, I'm probably going to want a better matchup um, and a better, you know, a higher over under or a higher pace of play. So, yeah, I, this is not the most intriguing game for me. Uh, so I'm totally in agreement with you. 
love when we just pound through some games where there's not much there. <laughs> Miami and Tampa Bay, uh, 48 point total. Tampa Bay is the clear favorite here. Uh, easily one of the best teams in the league. Tampa Bay is top five in pace. Miami is actually eighth in situation neutral pace, which uh, honestly kind of came as a surprise to me with Jacoby Brissett at the helm. But again, this is just situation neutral. Uh, you can also factor in uh, when you do seconds per play total, Miami is actually third when you uh, factor in all situations. So very surprising the pace that Miami's playing with. Um, I think that if they're going to try to get into a boat race with Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay is going to absolutely blow them out of the freaking water. And the point's got to go somewhere. At the end of the day, I don't know that Miami is going to have what it takes to get into the end zone, but with uh, consistently to keep pace with them. But I do like some of those receivers on the Miami side because, I mean, Tampa Bay is just – you can't run the ball on them at all. And if you're trying to run the ball on them, you're stupid. But they're so depleted in the secondary. Will Fuller's gone. So I'm going to be looking at Jalen Waddell at 4,800. Great price. Still not above 5K. You're going to have to throw the ball. And Devontae Parker there at 5,400. If Miami is going to play with this pace, you can't run the ball on them. They're going to have to throw the ball. I like Waddle and Parker, Parker in this game on the Miami side. You can certainly look at Mike Isecki as well. So I think one or two of these options on the Miami side of the ball are going to be able to do something significant with the price that they have on DraftKings. I think that's certainly um, a direction that I'm going to want to go. Of course, we know the rule that you can play on the Tampa Bay side, not touching the running backs, especially in the Bruce Arians backfield. And then my favorites are going to be the usual suspects, Godwin, Brown, Evans. Brown and Evans are always tied because of their prices. Brown is 5,200, much cheaper. Evans is always most expensive, up at 6,800. Obviously, Evans has the better role. Brown has a nice target share, more upside, but lower floor. Uh, but the pricing differences there is what makes them kind of tied for second. Godwin is just always the safe, most consistent play in this offense that I'm going to like. So for me, my top plays are probably going to be Devontae Parker, Chris Godwin, then I'm going to go Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, kind of like in lockstep. And I like Jalen Waddle, Mike Gusecki kind of bringing up the rear. I think those that's kind of the order I would be looking in this game uh, because this is a game that on average could have top five pace on the week uh, for total games. You got no, again, you got number four in Tampa Bay situation neutral and you got number eight in Miami in situation neutral. So this could have some sneaky shootout, even though on when you first glance at it, you kind of expect all right, a complete blowout slow drudging game here uh leaning the tampa bay side i mean what's your thought process when you look at this one i'm really hoping that it's that shootout i think that would be really nice because i do plan on playing a couple guys from here and uh my number one from this game is ab i think like i i'm so high on him every week and um i mean he came back after missing week three and didn't lose a step with brady i mean 11 targets seven receptions uh, and he, his price point is just super low still. I think he, like, I don't want to say he's just as talented as he used to be, but I don't think he's that far off. I mean, if there wasn't, if, if Mike Evans and Chris Godwin didn't exist in this offense, I think AB would be putting up massive numbers. So, uh, I trust, I trust in him. I, I trust, you know, I like Brady a lot too at 7,400. I think this is another smash week for him, uh, getting back on track after kind of a dud last week against, you know, the Patriots. But again, that was also a rain game. So, it's never really, there's never much production in a rain game. And that's what I was going to ask you, actually. Um, 
was Fournette's numbers skewed because of how Brady was playing? Or what do you think there? Because I don't hate him at 5,200. I mean, Ronald Jones took the touchdown last week too, and Fournette still had like 16 points. So I don't know. I don't hate Fournette, but again, it's 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 tough. If you think this, if 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 you think this is gonna be a blowout, I mean, Fournette might be a decent option. I don't hate Fournette. I just don't ever think I'm gonna win a tournament with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm playing, uh, that's that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, yeah, I always try to find these these cheap guys that are gonna allow me to do more elsewhere. So he's there. There's potential there, but you know who knows. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely my top two. I mean, we always say same thing. This is another team that has multiple guys that can perform. Um, and I'm talking about Evans, Godwin, AB. So uh, for me, it's AB. I think I just like his price for the production. I think he brings similar production to the, as, as the other two guys do. Um, and he's a whole lot cheaper. So I love AB and I love Gasecki on the other side. I think Brissett has kind of formed a nice little uh, duo with, with Gasecki. So I'm going to roll with that or I may roll with it 4,200. It's, it's in that price range. I like, so, uh, he's, he's a guy I think I'm going to keep an eye out for. Yeah. when it comes to four net, you know, I'd, I'd probably pay up for Damian Williams over him at six fifty six hundred. could have a potentially solid role there for whatever reason that thigh Bruce keeps him out. You got Khalil Herbert, uh, priced, uh, well below four net. I just think I can normally end up finding, uh, a better play, than someone in a Bruce Arians backfield. But again, that's one of those, I know we've talked about them before. That's one of those where they're almost always going to be a stay away from me. Um, I'm rarely ever going to touch them. It's just kind of part of my process to eliminate that type of play and type of play being uh, someone that is in a backfield like Bruce Arians. A lot of Patriots backfields I tend to eliminate because it's like playing roulette and at an anchor position every week. In the uh, When it comes to your running back spot, especially in DraftKings, I can't be – you can find leverage plays, but I can't be finding my leverage plays with guys that are in a three-headed backfield. They could suddenly – Rojo could start, and they just give him 20 carries after – be like, all right, let's get four at the week off. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason for what they're doing, whereas, you know, you can go back to a Jonathan Taylor as a res- risky leverage play because you know he's getting 20 carries. You know he's um, he's going to have some positive touchdown regression after he said it. What I say? Uh, minus 3.3 on Mike Clay's OTD touchdown metric last week, sitting at minus 3.1 last week because he uh, just missed out on another touchdown um, down near the one-yard line. So things like that is where I'm going to look to get le- leverage at the running back spot, and then I'll get a little more unique from the wide receiver uh, positions. Green Bay and Cincinnati. Very interesting game here. Cincinnati really playing well, sitting at three and one coming into the season. Did you expect Cincinnati to be three and one at this point? Are you a little surprised no. or no? Yeah, no, not not necessarily. I didn't didn't think they'd be this good, but I love it. I love Burrow. I've always been a fan, um, and I love what Jamar Chase has been doing too. So I love watching them play. I think this is a really fun game because I also love watching Green Bay play. So this is this is one I I really like. I don't know. Fantasy-wise, on the Bengals side, other than, you know, the receivers, I mean, also depends on if Joe Mixon's playing because uh, P. Ryan is another really cheap leverage play at 4K. If, if That's only if Mixon doesn't play, though. If Mixon plays, there's there's no world where P. Ryan makes, you know, 
the starting lineup. So, but this is fun for me. I, I really enjoyed this game or, or at least looking at it. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I actually have another question for you on the Cincinnati side of the ball. So last year, like every game before Burrow got hurt, we always talked about Cincinnati's pace. They were top five, really for the most part, top three in pace, situation neutral. Um, And they also had a pass rate over expectation um, that was top five in the NFL. They were throwing the ball about 65% of the time. This year, the 31st in pace, and they're like bottom five in pass rate over expectation um these wide receivers have still been good fantasy plays all things considered but are you expecting that to change like what do you think is going on here with the Cincinnati offense do you think as Burrow gets healthier they're going to speed it up uh I'm very surprised at the pass rate over expectation compared to last year in addition to the overall situation neutral pace that they've played thus far well I honestly think that in a way it's it's helping them win games to be honest with you Mm -hmm. because I think I think with Mixon back in the rotation and Burrow back in the rotation, like those first couple games where Burrow played last year, he was throwing it like 40 to 50 times a game because they were down in every game. Now they're competing, but they're also using Mixon 20 times a game uh, to 25 times. So it's like they're opening up the field for these other guys to get open as well. So I think it takes a lot more pressure off of Joe uh, Burrow that is, and, you know, adding, mixing into the mix (laughs) um i think it's really opened things up for them and i think that's why they're having success and they're a little harder to game plan around because it was like there was no offensive line last year just beat up on burrow and the only option is for them to pass while they're down so i think you know there's a whole lot more uh creativity and more um, options for them this year and that's why i think they're winning so i think part of the part of the reason is because or part of the reason their pace is down is because they're they're mixing it up um, with the, the the weapons that they have, and I think it's working. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, great point by you, and I know you hit on the Samaj P. Ryan uh, take as well. I'm going to be interested to see the split between he and Chris Evans. Chris Evans is kind of a Giovanni Bernard prototype. I think they really like him. Uh, I think P. Ryan would certainly be heavily owned if Mixon does end up missing the game, which it looks like he's going to. I think Mixon, they likely sit him out on this one. Um, so it will kind of be interesting to see what happens uh, there. I see the Q tag by Aaron Jones' name as well, but he has been practicing in a limited, limited capacity even today. Uh, so I, it'll be interesting to see how they do these backfields. If Mixon was a full go, I think he'd easily be a lock, especially uh, plus matchup against the Green Bay defensive line. When it comes to the wide receivers, obviously Devontae Adams is always the must play. Uh, I'm not really playing anyone else in the Green Bay receiving room. Also not touching uh, Robert Tanyan at 4,300. So for me on the Green Bay side, it's always eliminate to easy to eliminate pretty much everyone except for Devontae Adams. And even at 8,200, I think that's a great, pi- great price for him. I think really on a week-to-week basis, Adams should be in the mid-8s, uh, sitting in that 84 to 86 range. Uh, whereas sitting there at 8,200 gives you just a little more wiggle room uh, to uh, build out your lineups. I mean, that when you're you're paying for someone like that, the extra $200 really can make a world of difference, uh, and especially if the difference in some years past he's been at 86, 8,700. I think he'll get there again, but I think 8,200 is a reasonable price to pay in a game that could potentially be uh, fairly high scoring, but we know 
it's a very concentrated offense. So I love Devontae Adams again this week. Um, kind of keep an eye on Aaron Jones. Could be a decent bounce back week for him, but Devontae Adams is my number one play in this game. And then, of course, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins crew. Uh, it would be interesting to see if Higgins does come back this week. If he's if Higgins does not come back, then uh, Boyd, Chase, go-to's right there. Chase has been the number one graded rookie receiver so far this year. Uh, I don't think he has any drops on the year after the case of the drops. He's in the preseason, which was easily the most overhyped thing. I think we talked about that. We, You and I drafted him in a couple of leagues, just watching him fall to the sixth, seventh, eighth round, people panicking about the dropsies. And uh, I think we joked, I joked with some people about being, uh, they just turned him into Mark Markel Fultz, comes out uh, through the first four weeks of the season, catching deep balls like crazy. Um, number one graded rookie wide receiver so certainly love those two guys again this week chasing the Boyd from a PPR standpoint yeah I think you had a really good call on Boyd last week I think he was one of your your plays definitely in the player pool I believe but 11 targets I mean he for over 100 100 yards he he had an awesome game last week so if Higgins is out I think Boyd is definitely in play it's funny that Jamar Chase I mean maybe it's the matchup but he's only 5,800 and he's a top five overall receiver at least to this point in the season um fantasy production wise so that's really surprising to see i didn't really notice that before 5800 for jamar probably just because they have a lot of mouths to feed in that offense so i think it's hard to you know put him over i guess over 65 if i were you know pricing these guys i would imagine he'd be at least you know 6k to 6500 so 5,800 for a guy like Jamar Chase is really nice. I think um, back to the Bengals, I think they're going to play the Steelers definitely tougher than they than this. Sorry, going to play the Packers definitely tougher than the Steelers played the Packers last week. Um, and the point total was 51 points. So points got to come somewhere. And they're certainly going to come from Burrow. And I believe if I had to put money on it, it would, it would come from uh, Chase and Boyd as well. So I, I do like I do like this game a lot for options. I think Devontae, I play him almost every week to every other week. Um, played him last week, and I can definitely see it again at 8,200. So there's a whole lot of options here. I think this is one of my more um, playable games for this week. Um, there's not many that I love this week as far as matchups. I think Tampa Bay, Miami, Cincinnati, Green Bay are definitely two of my top two of my top options. And I think the Aaron Jones call is really good as well. 7,900. I mean, he's a stud. He, uh, he's leading or he's towards the top of the league in uh, fantasy production this year, as far as running back. So he's always a stud. He's matchup proof. So, I mean, there, there's, there's really no secrets in this one. Yeah. At the end of the day, this is one of those where it just comes down to how are you feeling like your lineups with correlation? You know, you're going, um adams chase adams boyd are you going uh burrow and two of his receivers because i think higgins is going to play so that's actually going to make it tougher but if higgins plays i actually think that keeps ownership down on the bingo side which we've had this conversation every week you got to pick a bingo's receiver based on matchup and everything we've gone chase a few times we've gone boyd a couple times uh we liked higgins one week it really does depend on the situation and the games they're going in and if mixon doesn't play uh, I might see if I can fit two of these guys in, 
you know, because Mixon doesn't play, he's been getting a significant amount of targets in the backfield. He hasn't gotten all the long down and distance work and all the two minute drill work that has gone to like Chris Evans or Samaji Pirine. Um, but that target distribution, I mean, they're not going to just go give uh, these scrubs the same amount of work that they gave Mixon. They're just not. So it's going to flow into the pat the wide receivers. And uh, when I hit on the target distribution target share earlier, when I was talking about New Orleans being last, Cincinnati's first in overall target share to their top three targets. Their top three targets are obviously Boyd Higgins Chase, and they absorb 80% of the targets in that offense. And they each are sitting right above uh, 20% of a target share in that offense. So again, I know we discussed the pace not being there, but if it's a week without mixing, they might, you know, bump up that pace a little bit. And uh, those target shares might get bumped up a couple percentage points as well for each of these receivers. And at those prices, I think one or two are going to be in a blow up spots. The issue is going to be pace on both sides of the ball, explosive offenses, but bottom five and pace. Uh, certainly could be a fun one. A lot of studs. I'll be looking to squeeze in some Adams and a Bengals receiver correlation in some of mine and maybe even some Aaron Jones uh, as well. Denver, Pittsburgh, you probably lock in the Pittsburgh defense if Drew Locke is playing. Uh, Mr. Turnover over there, Teddy Bridgewater. Got to wait to see what happens with his concussion. This is one of those for me uh, that is going to be another stay away. Uh, going to be an interesting week to watch ownership by the end of the week, by the way, Rob, because this is the first week of the season where we've had more than two, like just fades. We're only like six, seven games in. We're about halfway uh, over halfway through, but we've already had, I think this is the third game where I look at it and I'm like, all right, not touching um, the most we've had thus far. And it's just the way the matchups fall. Uh, so this is another one where I'm going to try to find my fantasy points elsewhere. I think the next game we're going to talk about is going to have some fun production. Are you looking to go anywhere for Pittsburgh and Denver? No, I think we're on the same page here this week for, for the most part, for a lot of these conversations. Um, if I'm going anywhere, which I probably still won't. I mean, I think Najee Harris is a beast. He, he keeps, he keeps getting the targets. I mean, he had that one week, what was it? 19 targets. And then yeah. last week he had, <laughs> last week he had another seven. So he's looking like Austin Eckler out there as far as the, the type of role they're putting him in. So, I mean, I think he he's always going to be playable. Um, Denver's defense has been pretty good against the run, so it's going to kind of come down to those past, you know, those receptions. But it's either him or, or Deontay Johnson. And Deontay Johnson has just proved that he is so like they use him so much in this offense. They might, might use him in this offense as a receiver more than any other team uses or targets anyone. They target him more than any other team targets one of the receivers excluding like Devonte Adams. So, I mean, Ben just constantly throws his way, throws his way and he finds his way into the end zone. So if there's anyone, it's, it's probably him um, at 6,500. I think he's playable, but yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm okay with moving on from this one. So interesting stat on Deontay Johnson so far this season. Uh, I believe it was 35 targets and zero drops he's had some uh, issues with the drops in years past and he's got double digit targets in every game this year um so that he is certainly you know since you said him uh gpp nice little leverage play there uh, for your tournament lineups i think the matchup and situation is going to keep his ownership well down but we've seen plenty of games where deontay johnson 
might be in a tougher matchup. He's going to get double-digit targets. Fully expect it. Um, I know it's a very difficult matchup, very difficult defense. Certainly a stay-away game for me. I don't think I want to pay 6500 for a receiver in his situation and in his matchup, regardless of talent this week. Um, you know, outside of Adonante Adams or Tyreek Hill, but he's certainly up there. And, you know, I just kind of wanted to build on that because, Rob, I think that's certainly a great call from a tournament perspective if uh, some of our listeners at least wanted to consider that when filling out. Because you always end up in situations where you're trying to fill up a lineup with a mid-6K receiver. You want two 6K receivers. Do you want an 8K and a 4K, 7-5? So it might be in a situation where it's a a receiver in a prime spot and Deontay Johnson – um, he's always got blow potential and you do know the targets are going to be there. So I do think that's something to at least emphasize before we move on to a much more fun game. Um, you know, Philly, Carolina, Carolina, well, you hit on Sam Darnold, uh, Darnold, DJ Moore was just the stack of the week last week. Phenomenal way to go, especially for the prices you were paying uh, Philly, Carolina this week, Philly. I think I've been very impressed with their uh, fantasy production. I know, you know, I'm, I live near Philly. A lot of Philly fans aren't too happy with the team. I think they kind of accepted this as a building year. But, man, from a fantasy point standpoint, uh, Jalen Hurts, 21 or more DraftKings points in all seven of his starts thus far in his career. I think he's certainly a direction you can always go. It doesn't matter if they're leading. He'll be running the ball. If it's garbage time, he'll be flinging it and running the ball as well. Philly is playing with some significant pace, uh, surprising pace, actually, after Nick Sirianni came over to Philly from Indianapolis. I did not expect them to be playing with um, the a top three situation neutral pace. The third in situation neutral, fifth in overall pace of play. I think that's certainly something to note and could be interesting moving forward. Uh, and it could have been their matchups thus far. They've played Dallas. They've played Kansas City. So they could have naturally sped them up, uh, forced them to be a little more aggressive. But I'm kind of hoping that stays because this is certainly uh, Carolina is in win now mode with the trades they're making. Philly has got to win to stay alive in the uh, NFC East. Uh, Dallas looks like they're a little more for real uh, than I think even I thought earlier on in the season, typically overhyped. We'll see what they do the rest of the year. But at the same time, I mean, Jalen Hurts, you don't even have to stack him. I always like Devontae Smith with him. He's coming alive. Uh, Miles Sanders, I keep waiting for it. It's just never going to happen. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell seems to have some favoritism in the offense, which he looks great. Don't blame him. And on the Carolina side, I mean, Darnold and Moore, are you going right back to that? Darnold at 6,600 this week. What do you think? And he's apparently RB1, the new Derrick Henry. <laughs> yeah, what the hell is that? I just was looking at that. Two, t- two rushing touchdowns in the last two weeks. It's incredible. I mean, I don't think he ran out of the pocket more than one time in the in his uh, career with the Jets. That one play he had, he, he literally looked like the best running back on the field. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. That one, uh, I think it was like a 50-yard rushing touchdown he had with the Jets last year. It was Oh, I know incredible. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I mean, he clearly has a little more rushing opportunity um in this offense i mean last week six for 35 for two touchdowns i mean what what the hell i know the the two touchdowns were from in close but it's still crazy Uh, i think if he hadn't scored those maybe that's where chuba hubbard would have came in but um i'm happy sam did last week at least for me uh in my lineup but i don't know it's really hard if you had 7k 
would you rather play Hurts or Darnold in this situation? Hurts. Yeah, I would. Easily I would agree. That, like Darnold has looked great running the football, but I mean, Hurts just has like Darnold has has rented it with rushing touchdowns. I know we joke, and he he really has like really produced from a rushing standpoint. But Jalen Hurts has one hundred yard upside every week, and you get that yeah. one hundred yard bonus. You're increasing the the probability that a he scores a touchdown and b you get the three point bonus on DraftKings. These hundred yard bonuses on DraftKings actually matter. At the end of the day, I mean, in your lineup, you could reasonably have uh, multiple. You know, having a quarterback that can throw for 300 yards. Jalen Hurts has thrown for 300 yards twice this year. That's a three-point bonus as well. He has ran uh, for 100 yards, not this year, but a few times in his career towards the end of last year. So you've always got that opportunity to him blowing it up and getting a 300-yard passing game and a 100-yard rushing bonus game, which is unlocks so much more of a ceiling. Those six extra points, that's an extra touchdown. If he's getting that much yardage, he's increasing the probability they score more touchdowns. Jalen Hurts unlocks such a high ceiling that, yeah, when he's priced similar to someone like Darnold, I know Darnold's gotten those rushing touchdowns, but what he's done uh, and the way he's getting them, eventually that's going to fall into the running back's hands, whether it's McCaffrey, if he comes back this week, it's showing up in pads today, or whether it's a Chuba Hoover uh, bounce back. I know you weren't happy with him, but the opportunity and workload was there um, against that uh, Dallas defense last week. Um, so when that's what I'm factoring in, yeah, I got to go Hurts because I, I, like, I don't know if he's that good of an NFL quarterback, but when it comes to DraftKings, he's a freaking superhero. He's I could have probably played him every week this week and been totally fine, not even overthought it, because the couple times I have played him, I mean, just absolutely uh, blown up. I mean, again, thus far this year, 28, 21, 25, 31, and he's just now reached the 7K range. That's exactly what I'm looking for. He's got a great floor. He's tough to stack with. That's what makes it difficult. He's tough to stack with. But um, great floor and very high ceiling. And I know this Carolina defense looks absolutely legit. And maybe they just completely come in and shut him down. But at the same time, I mean, that's maybe they're shutting down receivers and Hurts just tucks the ball and run more. Maybe he just runs the ball a little more, which actually is what I want uh, from a tournament perspective. So, I, I mean, what are your thoughts between those two? You're making me want to play Hurts. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good points there. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, Darnold, I don't think last week's going to happen again for Darnold, maybe not for the rest of the year. I mean, 36 is a hell of a lot of points. So, yeah, he definitely made a lot of good points there, With especially if McCaffrey plays. I mean, that those rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, um, even like the red zone rushing touchdowns, I think those are a lot of McCaffrey's dump-off, five-yard you know, touchdown opportunities. So, They'll certainly go down, I think, for Darnold as McCaffrey comes back into play. Now, if McCaffrey plays, are are you trusting that? I think, I mean, I personally, I think I would just because the amount of usage he gets in the Carolina offense. Would you play McCaffrey if he came back this week? Even if he it was comes, like a Sunday at like 12 o'clock they announced it, what would you do? 8,700, playing him. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Um, we saw, do you remember what happened last year against Kansas city when Carolina played them? Yes. Yes. And he, it was like the same exact scenario. I mean, I, I don't remember what his injury, I think it's a different injury, but he comes that was his back. Best game of the year last year. 
best game of the year, blew the heck up, and everyone was afraid, afraid to play him. Same thing with Dalvin Cook in week five. One of our biggest weeks here last year was um, Dalvin Cook coming off of injury. Everyone was afraid to play him, and he's active. Like, these stud running backs, I'm a little – after watching Cook last week, I'm a little questionable on it, but, you know, historically, when they're putting them back in the game, they're healthy, and they're going to play him. Like, they're not going to trot McCaffrey out there to be a decoy or some other BS. Like, I, I remember last year, McCaffrey gets – put active the same thing happened with Dalvin Cook in Rappaport tweets limited workload not going to use him that much he'll be a decoy such BS blows up for 30 <laughs> plus points Dalvin Cook that game had his 40 or 50 point game whatever it was I don't know against the Packers Freaking, yeah yeah that massive game yeah. um absolutely that workload touchdowns. yeah it was insane locking him in locking him in if he's live he showed up in full pads today 8700 I I don't know why DraftKings would price him down just because yeah. he's hurt. Like if he plays, he plays. Like why, right. why are you pricing him down because he's coming off of an injury? Like if he plays, he plays. I, I don't, I don't yeah. understand that at all. Um, if he plays, and Philly's be... not that formidable like they have been in years past against running backs. Yeah. And if he plays, I know we're spending a lot of time on this game, but this is another one of those big games. Um, if he plays, this is easily going to be the cheapest he'll be the entire season. Like there's no way he drops below 8,700 at any point the rest of the year, even if he's hurt. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he's second on the team in target share. Like when going right back to that model, the top yep. three receivers in an offense um, where they sit, McCaffrey's number two in an offense that's top 10 in concentrated target share. I mean, I, I really don't know what they're doing with this price. Um, the Jets and Saints, two games that, at the time, he just missed 100 yard bonus against the Jets, nine targets against them, six targets against the Saints. And then against Houston, he gets hurt early on uh, in that Thursday night game. He's had, he'll have 10, 11 days off. You know, I'm playing him. And, uh, and that's that. And, you know, of course, DJ Moore, 25% plus target share, uh, one of the top receivers in the league right now, looking phenomenal, number one in 20 plus yard catches this year you can play him on a week-to-week basis i know you mentioned robbie anderson could blow the top off the defense last week almost did it he was actually mm-hmm. number five last week in unrealized air yards uh which is just total air yards just uh minus their actual receiving yards on the week so 95 unrealized air yards last week that were left out there again that was number five on the week last week and he's sitting there with names that are priced way above him in mclaurin ridley uh, OBJ and Sutton. So him sitting down there at 5K is also a good tournament play because they are his target shares bumped back up into the mid 20s after a little scary low teens uh, target share starting out the season where it looked like Terrace Marshall would kind of take him over. Looks like he's got his number two spot back in the receiving core, uh, but really he's the number three target in that offense after Moore and McCaffrey. But he is uh, certainly a GPP play as always. But McCaffrey is my lock here from going somewhere. And I like Hubbard again after he burned everyone last week. He had the volume. He had the attempts. He had a couple targets in there. Um, Darnold had two rushing touchdowns. I mean, Hubbard gets one of those, gets, a, gets those two rushing touchdowns, and he's smashing value. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I know we just spent a ton of time on that game. But there's certainly concentrated offenses with a lot of – direction that you can go well philly's passing game is not concentrated that's a mess and that's why we didn't spend a ton of, ton of time on it but um 
the Carolina offense. You know where the targets are going, and I think there's a lot of directions you can go. Did you have anything else on this game? I know we kind of broke it down from as many angles as possible already. Yeah, I don't think there's much more we could say. I will say <laughs> Robbie had 11 targets last week, so that's definitely a positive sign, even though he didn't do a whole lot with it. Um, the big play is coming. It's just a matter of time. I know I said that about multiple people this year, but it's definitely coming. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm wondering if a resignation is coming from Urban Meyer. Can we make that bet on DraftKings? Oh, man. That's been yeah. ugly. Have you paid attention to that at all? Yeah. It's not, it's not good. I saw today, um, if you want to preview the next game, I have to find it, but something along the lines that he's not planning on res- resigning, but. I don't know. It, he's it an, doesn't look good. He's an he's an absolute mess. Um, Tennessee is going to have to bounce back after losing to the Jets last week. And honestly, I was a big fan of several Jets, including especially Corey Davis last week. That bomb he caught was a lot of fun. I know this isn't a Jets breakdown here, but it was um, kind of good to see your Jets bounce back, feeling good for all. Uh, shout out to Jet up over there, getting a little positivity <laughs> in their world. Uh, Tennessee Jacksonville, though. Interesting one here, two absolutely terrible defenses in a divisional matchup. When these two teams play, it just always feels low scoring. But it's – these defenses are so bad, no one can stop the other. Like, I can't reasonably expect to be that low scoring. And is it time for this year's A.J. Brown return from injury blow-up game? I mean, I feel like is that not oh, – is that standard? I think that's I actually so. just the way the world goes at this point. Um what are you looking at in this game? Are you going Brown or Julio? Are you looking at Tennessee stack or are you looking at Jacksonville, Tennessee and going, you screwed me enough. I'm staying away. (laughs) Well, no. Uh, The one thing you didn't just say there is I'm actually looking at Jacksonville. Um, I think, I mean, we saw last week, the Tennessee secondary get absolutely exposed by a team that didn't score a touchdown in two weeks. So, and I think Zach was, I think Zach has a little better of like a gunslinger arm than Trevor Lawrence. That's why I, like, I don't know if Trevor or Justin Fields, like all these other guys could have made that one throw he made to Corey Davis in the end zone. Um, just kind of like, it, it was like Rogers esque where he's just kind of on the road and road on the run and just slung it downfield 50 yards. So that was really cool. But I think, I mean, Trevor Lawrence had a, had a decent game last week. He had that t- rushing touchdown early. And then, I mean, he played solid the rest of the game. He didn't do a whole lot more. But, I mean, he reached value, and I could definitely see it again this week, only at 5,800. And then last week, he seemed to connect really well with LaVisca. So um, LaVisca was one yard away from that three-point bonus. He had 99 yards on six receptions for seven targets. Um, those are two guys that I'm looking at this week, I think. Uh, if there's a game that they show a little promise or a little more production, I think it's against Tennessee. I think that defense or that secondary, like I said, has just been terrible. Um, it's been something we've targeted the last couple of years, actually. Um, and I can definitely see it again this week. I'm hoping for, you know, my fantasy team's sake that AJ Brown pops. Um, I'm not sure I'm quite ready to get him in my DraftKings lineup. Um but I mean, who knows? I mean, this this is a, a Jacksonville team that you can pass on. So I think definitely an option. But for me, I think based on the guys I'm kind of looking at elsewhere, I think 
price point is important for me to get a guy like Lawrence or a guy like LaVisca, um, a cheap stack. And I think this is definitely one of the games that you can get a really cheap stack uh, that I think can produce at least a value, hopefully a little bit more. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, you can easily get some cheap stacks in there. Visca at 4,800 started getting uh, his eight dot started increasing, especially after Tark went out of the lineup. I did see where he's still lining up in his usual position this week at practice. So I'll be interested to see if they put uh, Colin Johnson into that DJ Tark role. But they just need to maximize LaVisca's athleticism and use him a little more. I do think James Robinson is one you can go back to. Uh, his opportunity and usage has greatly increased the last couple of weeks. Um, however, a lot of that production has stemmed from touchdowns. So maybe the touchdowns shift to the passing offense uh, a little more this week, which is just gives more credence to your stack. But James Robinson at 6K looks to be back with his RB1 type of usage. Uh, I'm not a big believer in Urban Meyer being consistent there, but I think he's one you consider can consider against an awful, awful defense. Uh, I certainly like A.J. Brown this week at 6,500. I think eventually that blow, if he's practicing full, um, he's going to be someone I go right back to. Um, I don't know if I end up stacking him with Tannehill. Tannehill at 6,400 is always just a little too expensive. Again, these are not stacks that you want to stomach too easily. Uh, they're not fun ones. You know, stacking Tannehill is always risky because Henry could absolutely blow up. Uh, he has played awful this year. Uh, not been impressive at all, and he still produced 17, 18, 23, and 18 fantasy points in his in four consecutive games. I think if you get an A.J. Brown blow-up game, you get a Tannehill blow-up game, I think it's a tournament GVP-only stack, but I think it's a direction you can go. We've discussed some better plays for sure at the quarterback spot, but um, so for me, I think it's a thought. It's something that you can consider. There's reasonable um, – there's a reasonable direction you can go from a game theory perspective. For me, I'm probably going 1v1, Robinson Brown, Visca Brown, maybe Julio, but most likely Brown. I really like that upside. Um, Henry Visca, Henry Marvin Jones. I think there is a lot of 1v1. There's a lot of correlation you can grab from this game because of the uh, concentrated offenses and really bad defenses. Um, anything else on the Tennessee Jacksonville game on your side? Not really. Uh, I think for me, like I already mentioned, I like Trevor. I like LaVisca. Henry is always an option. If you want to pay 9K, I certainly would. Uh, but other than that, I think, I think they're like, surprisingly, there's more plays here than most people would think. So uh, don't, don't sleep on this game for sure. Yeah. I mean, there really is a lot of opportunity from a fantasy perspective. It's, it's such a crazy, crazy world. Like from a football perspective, Tennessee, Jacksonville, you're like, Oh, that, what a terrible game that'll be. But yeah. then that's why we have fantasy football. Isn't, isn't, gambling and fantasy football just the greatest thing ever it makes tennessee jacksonville <laughs> one of the most exciting games on the slate i mean yeah, i wouldn't what a, I mean, what a world I was, I was telling you last week i don't have red zone this year so i only get <laughs> what's local right now so um i only had the jets giants last week at the one o'clock games but it makes every other game so much more relevant i mean the jets are really the only game i truly care about when it comes to, you know, fan perspective, obviously, but like, would I ever watch Tennessee Jacksonville or like Chicago, Las Vegas? No, but I will now because of, you know, this, this exact podcast. So it does, it really is exciting to, 
to talk about this and, and be able to break down teams that I really don't care about if they win or lose, but I care so much about if, you know, their receiver scores a touchdown. It's, it's bizarre, but it's fun. There's absolutely nothing better than tilting your face off of AJ, AJ Brown being in a smash spot and pulling a hammy in the first quarter. What a <laughs> oh life. What a yeah. life this is. It's also the most stressful. It's like such a high and low fantasy football. <laughs> It's, yeah. Chicago and Las Vegas, dude. I, I don't know about this one. It's I see shootout potential. I see a lot of highs. I see a lot of lows. What do you see in this game? Oh, geez. Who knows? I mean, there's – I think for me, I think you mentioned it before, Damian Williams is in a really good spot. I think the, the Bears lean so heavily on their run game with David Montgomery, and he's been really, really good um, despite your bad juju against him. But um, we'll see. I mean, is Damian Williams going to pick up where Dave Montgomery left off? And I think he definitely could at 5,600. That's a really nice play. Um, I hope that – I mean, Raiders pushed the pace, so I think this could definitely be a higher-scoring game um, as long as Chicago keeps up. I think Derek Carr is another option. At 6,100, he leads the league in passing, I believe, or passing yards, or he's at least he's up there. So he, I mean, he's been really good. I think the cheap stack of the week is either between Lawrence and LaVisca or between uh, Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro. I think Hunter Renfro has been such a valuable piece to their, their offense and also their defense. Apparently he laid out that guy last week on the, the uh, no. fake punt. That was what pretty awesome. Hit. Yeah. He <laughs> literally like decleated that guy. It was, it was <laughs> like, the guy should be playing linebacker after that hit, but uh, I love, I mean, I, I mentioned him almost every week and uh, I think he's in a really nice spot. Again, he's getting, he's just getting targeted. They, they run like these five yard outs for him and he ends up getting like 15 yards on these, on these little, um, these little outs. And that turns into like two, two and a half points right there. And he's been in double digits every game this year. So I'm hoping to see that again. And I think we will. Uh, he just has such, such an important role in this offense and then um darren waller i mean he's he's a stud he's matchup proof but he's starting to get near those kelsey prices not quite yet but he's getting near um and after a kelsey burn week last week i can't i can't stomach another uh expensive tight end this week <laughs> so i don't know how do you feel what a brutal way to have tight end um Ruined for you right there. Yeah, the, uh, I'll never do it. Again. No, I'll probably do it next week. To tell us, Kelsey's like absolutely not in the first three weeks, and then it's Tyreek Hill oh, week. God. I know <laughs> it's like, and even when Tyreek Hill went off the last time, Kelsey still had like twenty five. It's just like the most bizarre. I I texted you because, like I just said, I didn't have the game on, like I couldn't watch it. Mm-hmm. I was like, is he playing? Is he hurt? Like, what's going on? You're like, no, it's just Tyreek Hill week. And I was like, all right, well. That sucks, but I mean, <laughs> thank God Sam Darnold became, you know, Christian McCaffrey. So it kind of saved me there a little bit. <laughs> Made it salvageable. Man, I've – yeah, when it comes to this game for starters, I don't know, outside of Dabo Sweeney, you might be the only other person that loves Hunter Renfro as much as him. Um, <laughs> Dab- Renfro played at Clemson for all the NFL-only people out there. Rob loves Renfro, like going back to his – 
the inception of this man's life, I think. Uh, <laughs> but for whatever reason, you're always freaking right. I'm always like, I always kind of roll my eyes and then I go back and look at his stats and I'm like, he's in double digits every week and he's never priced <laughs> over 5K. It's like a lot of times when I'm sitting there, I always need a receiver in the mid fours or mid to upper fours. And I'm like, oh, there's your guy, guy right there. He's, he's always there. And you say every week and I never play him. And if I play him this week and he lays an egg, I I'm driving to North Jersey. I'll be there in an hour and a half and we're going <laughs> to no. have some words. No. You won't have to worry about that. Don't worry. I got he's you. so clutch. He's going to catch that out route in the fourth quarter. He's got, he's going to score this week. I, I guarantee you Hunter Info gets the end zone this week. That's a Ooh. promise. <laughs> <laughs> That's when, you know, we're like an hour in and Rob's like, yeah, yeah. Let's put some money yeah. on this. Get fired up here. I'll drop, I'll drop a 50 burger on Renfro. Why not? Hit <laughs> him in all the prop bets. <laughs> we think about Justin Fields this week coming back. So Bill Lazor took over play calling. I like I like Fields a decent bit in this matchup. Las Vegas has been playing with a little more pace than they have. They're mid packs at a 15th and situation neutral. Um, like you said, I mean, this game has some sneaky shootout potential. Justin Fields staying at that 5,200 price. He has not had a nice day fantasy wise uh, at all this year. Again, I think there's other cheap plays that we've discussed we like better, but Bill Lazor let him throw the ball deep. You saw that connection there with Darnell Mooney. Uh, apparently, Allen Robinson has just completely been forgotten about. I don't think he has a top 40 finish in fantasy football at all this year, which is kind of a scary thing to think about. Um, only scored over 10 points once. Just really weird and crazy. But Darnell Mooney, deep threat, Justin Fields, finally getting to throw the ball over 15 yards. We just absolutely ranted last week over how much that offense sucks um, with Matt Nagy calling the plays. Bill Lazor steps in, lets him fling it. Are you all interested in Fields uh, to Mooney this week, or are you thinking he has a little bit of a step up, or are you just kind of like, eh, I'm not feeling it? Yeah, no, nah, I'm not really feeling it, to be honest. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, discourage you from doing it if you have that conviction, but I just <laughs> – Hunter Renfro's outscored him every week. So mm -hmm. it's, and that's a joke, but <laughs> like, I'd rather play a guy like I'd rather go Lawrence LaVisca for a very similar price than I would Fields Mooney. Um, that's kind of my take on it. I know, I know Lawrence is 600 more than, uh, than Fields. And then Visca is a hundred more than Mooney. So it's slightly more expensive, but I mean, when you're talking about hundreds versus thousands for rookie quarterbacks and receivers that aren't like, you know, big names, I don't think it's that big of a deal um, there. So no, I, I'm really not that interested in fields. I need to see it. I need to see him prove it. And I mean, could he do it? I think, I think this will definitely be a higher scoring game, faster pace, just cause that's what LA or sorry, Las Vegas seems to do. But it's not not going to be for me, at least. Cleveland and L.A., the Los Angeles Chargers, not the Rams. Um, that's going to be an interesting game this week as well. Uh, two defenses that are playing incredible. Cleveland has played, I believe they've had the number one overall rated defense for pro football focus thus far this year. Uh, and a little bit of an old-fashioned 14-7 to dogfight where no quarterback could hit a wide-open receiver to open up the game and make it more of a shootout and help Cody's fantasy lineup say what <laughs> game of last week. Um, 
But Brandon Staley, that Chargers team looks good, looks well coached. Kevin Stefanski, Browns, well coached. Um, this game, I get similar vibes to Chicago Vegas with could be a dogfight, could be a shootout, but it's just a game with more talent across the board, um, but a similar high-low perspective, which is good for tournaments, actually. Um, those are kind of games that you at least want to strongly consider when building tournament lineups. Um, Herbert, Baker, their skill position players, what are you thinking in Cleveland and uh, the Chargers this week? My first thought right off the bat, and I always talk about these guys, but Herbert and Keenan Allen, especially Keenan Allen, 6,500 for a wide receiver of his talent with the amount of targets he gets from Herbert. I just think that's a no brainer. Uh, I think, I think as good as the Cleveland defense is, I think this, you know, LA offense is awesome. I, I mean, I love watching Herbert. He slings the ball downfield. Um, Eckler gets involved now in the passing game. Keenan Allen's just been a stud. He made, he's made some of the best, you know, most spectacular catches this year. Uh, he's had multiple that I've seen just kind of glancing at the TV. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, this guy's a stud. And it's 6,500 for a guy like that. I'll absolutely pay that. Um, I think that's a complete steal. Mike Williams had a down week last week. I don't know if I'm ready to trust Mike Williams yet. I think he, his targets went down uh, at least more than 50% last week. I mean, he had four targets last week as opposed to nine, 10, and 12 the first three weeks. So, if those targets go up, maybe better things happen. I mean, he's huge though. Like I didn't realize how big he was when I, when I was watching the other night, he is massive. Like he's an immediate red zone threat. Uh, he's a deep ball threat as, as we've seen. So Mike Williams is, is an option, but I'd rather pay 6,500 for Keenan than 72 for Mike. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but that's kind of where I'm at with that. Uh, Eckler 7,600. He's been re doing really well the last couple of weeks. He's definitely an option. But um, my favorite play, hands down, without a doubt, is Keenan Allen. I think him with Herbert is a stack that is really good always, and it's not that expensive. Um, so that's that's where I'm looking here. Um, I don't like – I never have and I never really will play um, Baker and a pass catcher or a pass catcher uh, in general from Cleveland. I mean, especially the one guy I would play is Jarvis Landry, but he's out obviously on IR. So I don't really like to look at the other guys. Don't trust OBJ um, and the other guys just don't produce enough. Baker doesn't throw enough. Now Chubb and Hunt are both studs. I mean, Chubb's been doing well. Like his numbers are skewed because Hunt's been taking all the touchdowns, but his numbers really aren't that bad. Um, Hunt is 5,800 and he's been getting a lot of usage, a lot of red zone usage. Um, and he's also, you know, catching a lot of passes on a lot of targets. So honestly, Right now, am I? I may be more comfortable to pay, play Kareem Hunt than Nick Chubb. I think um, until Nick Chubb starts taking those touchdowns back, I just think they've been using Hunt in the red zone more than they have in, in the past. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the same thing, but that's kind of my analysis on that. Um, but 5,800 versus 6,700 for a guy that's been getting equal to even more opportunity, I think that has to be taken into account. So I, I know you can see this chart I've got pulled up on my screen in terms of Chubb and Hunt. When you look at – so this chart is split by RB1 and RB2, not not based off of anything um, bias. It's based purely off of snap percentage um, based in a given week. Kareem Hunt, RB1, 
in Cleveland, 54% of the snaps. If this that's what you were afraid of, if you were drafting Nick Chubb in the first uh, in the first round or at the one two turn, you know the ceiling. You know if if Hunt goes down, Chubb is probably the best fantasy back that you want to have outside of uh, Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. Um, but Hunt's healthy; he's not gone down. He's still there, and he's the cheaper play, and he's getting. Um, the best carries he's getting all that work in the red zone he's breaking free uh for a 10 15 yard touchdown runs when they're inside the 20 uh and he does get a lot of goal line work chubb gets his as well i do think those will flip at some point and chubb is going to get his touchdowns because he's going to be in there at the goal line um they run a lot of play action try to hit the tight ends when they're near the goal line cleveland does so chubb will get his but i'm not paying 6700 for him when he's the rb2 and we're on a ppr format just not doing it like he's going to have a couple games this year where he blows up but right now I don't see any reason why he's going to take the line share of the work um, unless they decide to come out and give him 70 80 percent of the carries this week which they're not going to because Hunt's really good um, but apart from that uh, Keenan Allen I think he's the best play in this game too I think uh, the pressure that the Browns are going to generate is going to force the Chargers to get the ball out of Herbert's hands quickly that's going to uh, feed into Eckler uh, and Keenan Allen, but I like that Keenan Allen price way more than Eckler's. Eckler has looked great, has looked like an absolute fantasy football stud this year, but he's priced at 7,600. Whereas Keenan Allen, I think he's the safest play. You know, he's going to get double digit targets. He's going to get double digit fantasy points. He's going to measure right up against that 100 yard bonus. Only one touchdown thus far this year. I think he's, he's uh, one of those guys that's going to be due some positive touchdown regression in the future. And he's priced at 6,500 cheaper than Williams cheaper than Eckler, and I think he's going to have the greatest opportunity in this specific matchup. So I love Keenan Allen this week. I don't know that I end up stacking him with anyone. He might be the only play I have from this game. Uh, OBJ at 6K is a nice price, but I don't know that I even want to play OBJ against the Chargers. But there's some decent correlation you can get there. But likely from this game, I think it's going to be a fun one. I think it's going to be a great matchup, a game I want to watch. And when I first look at Cleveland and uh, Browns Chargers, I think, oh, there's going to be a ton of plays from this game. I don't think I'm going to be playing a lot from this game, but I know I'm probably going to be locking in Keenan Allen, and that's pretty much it. You can maybe grab an Austin Hooper. You can maybe grab somebody like that, but it's Keenan Allen for me, and then very unlikely to play anyone else from this game. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I, I mean, there's, I don't think there's any anything more to say about that one 100%. San Francisco and Arizona – where Kyler Murray is always playable. The Cardinals are undefeated. I I still am skeptical on Cliff Kingsbury. I think we've all had – shout out to Ryan. I know uh, he was also skeptical on Kingsbury up until this point as well. I'd be interested to know his thoughts after the Cardinals 4-0 start. But uh, Murray has looked good. However, I'm probably not paying 8K for him, where certainly he's an MVP candidate. But I think I can get that rushing upside – throwing upside at a cheaper price uh trey lance 20 points in one half uh mm-hmm. of football trey lance that's a direction i can go um i don't know that he's a good passer but at 5700 he's probably one of the most explosive explosive players on this slate in a game where they're going to have to be forced into a shootout it's a top five team in pace um 
and an explosive Arizona offense where they're going to have to keep pace. So I think Trey Lance is certainly going to be an interesting direction to go. And we talked about picking Debo or Kittle last week. Debo had the blow up week. Debo has looked phenomenal. I'm staying away from San Francisco running backs. I think Chase Edmonds um, is due some positive touchdown regression based on OTD metrics as well. But when it comes to Edmonds, I feel like even though he has a good safe floor on his price at DraftKings, I never end up playing him. He's always in that um, 55 to 63 range price at 59 this week. And even um, if he gets that average that he's had this far this year, around 15, 16, 17 fantasy points, that's still not going to really be enough for me, I don't think. Uh, to win a tournament. So I'm probably staying away from Edmonds. And then it's the usual suspects in the Arizona wide receiver and core. DeAndre Hopkins, matchup proof, playable week to week. And then you got your cheaper options in Kirk and Moore. They're just going to rotate on and off. AJ Green caught the deep ball uh, last week. But I think when you're just looking at explosiveness and age, um, I'm going to be looking at Kirk and Moore on a week to week basis. AJ Green, every once in a while, he has a reasonable target share. He's gotten mixed in more. He's going to get some targets, but I think in terms of upside, we've seen what Rondell Moore can do. We've seen what Chris Kirk can do, and both of them being priced below 5K, they're going to be directions that I'm going to look this week to see if I can fit one of those in my lineups, depending on how much salary I have left. Where's your head when it comes to this game? What do you think? Is A.J. Green relevant like at all again? I mean, he's had six targets in every game this year. He's looked a uh, lot better than he has in years past, but is he relevant? Like, has Kyler made him relevant, or is this just because Kyler's been blowing up? Kyler's made him relevant because they throw the ball so much, and it's explosive offense. Like, that's what it comes down to. I think by the end of the season, um, Kirk and Moore are going to have passed him. Um, like, when I watch the games, I'm not like a scout or anything, and I'm not going to act like I'm team watch the tape or something like that. But I think Murray's made him relevant because he just looks slower. Like yeah. Kirk and Moore, they look explosive. They look elusive. When they get the ball in their hands, they're fun to watch. Like A.J. Green just bodied a guy in the end zone last week and caught a 50-yard bomb. Like it didn't even look athletic. It looked like – I don't. it just – I mean, it looked like a tight end in his 30s. I mean, not even like an elite wide receiver. That's, that's what it looked like to me. So I, I don't know how long that can go on. But, I mean, at 5,100 outside of week one, he's been in double digits every week. So, yeah, Murray's made him relevant. But I'm still always going to – in tournaments, if I'm looking at uh, Moore at 4,600, Kirk at 49, and Adrian at 51, Green's the safer one and probably going to get you 13 fantasy points. But he's also not going to win you a tournament. He, he feels like Leonard Fournette to me, like the wide receiver version of Leonard Fournette, honestly. That's a good way to put it. And then what do you think about Debo? I mean, Debo's been a stud. He hasn't been like this in the past. Like, is this, is he like emerging as a good receiver or is like, is this just a one, like, uh, you know, first half of the season thing? I, I don't know. They're using him a lot. It's, they're definitely using him. What do you think? I actually think he was already a good receiver. He's just been hurt. Um, his A dot last year was literally, I think there's a couple of games where his average depth of target was like minus half a yard because they were just throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Now they're letting him push the ball downfield a little more. And you're seeing when he's catching the ball downfield 10, 15 yards, he's just blowing up. I mean, he can, he's got pure speed. He's elusive. He can absolutely burn some dudes. Um, I, I know we talked about this a little bit in the preseason with some of the season long guys is, 
you know, Brandon Ajuk was going the fourth, fifth round. It's like, yeah, Debo might literally be better. I think he's a legit receiver. When I now see his, I wish I had been on him earlier. Um, last week I put him in the article, thought he was a good correlation play. Um, but now when I'm looking at him at 7,100, I mean, he looks elite and like they're going to yeah. use him that way. But I mentally, it's like a mental block, which I think will keep his ownership down. I have a hard time paying 7,100 for Debo. Um, right. I, I just really do. I don't know if I'm going to be able to um, get there and pay that for him anymore, but he's looked every bit the part on a week-to-week basis. And this is a game where they should be forced to um, to uh, pace up and throw the ball a decent bit, even yeah. with Trey Lance at the helm. Well, that's that's the only reason I would uh, definitely consider it. Not the only reason, but I think it's a strong reason to consider him and a possible Trey Lance play just because of the pace of this game. I think I've done it so many times in the past where I play the players opposite of the Cardinals just because of how fast the Cardinals play and they score. So it's like, you have to keep up. So I think that that's definitely one I hadn't really thought about before the show, but now I'm really thinking about Trey Lance and uh, Debo Samuel play. Um, uh, yeah, that, that seems, that sounds really good to me actually right now. So I'll have to think about that more as the week goes on, but um, this is definitely a game that I'm I'm considering as one of the top ones that it really wasn't before right now. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be some explosive plays here. Um, we got a lot of games this week where there's a lot of one mini stacks. It's going to be interesting to it's going to be tough to. I normally write up two or three mini stacks in the article, but it's going to be tough to narrow them down because yeah. I feel like up until this week we've had games where you could just go full blown game stacks. Like there's seven games with seven quarterbacks and each game had at least one to two receivers that you could stack with the quarterback, sometimes up to three options. And you could just go full blown game stacks, bring it back with one or two players. This one feels like you got to try to find your quarterback single stack. There might not be a bring back, but there's like one V ones like um, Debo Rondell Moore or Kirk or, or Hopkins, or if you want to get risky and go with Juke with one of those guys or Kittle, like there's just a ton of one V one guys. We talked about that in the Chicago, LA, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Philadelphia, Carolina. Um, there's going to be a ton of opportunities for many, many stacks. And I think the week is going to really hinge on uh, the many stacks that you end up with um, in your lineup and kind of really getting those right, as opposed to the full blown game stacks. Uh, Giants and Cowboys. Giants finally got a win last week. Like I said, Dallas is looking every bit the part. But in the NFC East battle, all that stuff goes out the window. I think this is going to be a good game. Uh, potential fun one from an offensive standpoint. Um, I don't think the Giants have an exciting offense, but they are starting to produce a little more as Galladay and Barkley get more healthy. Uh, what are you looking at in this game for the Giants and Cowboys? There's a lot of talent in these skill positions well i think to to the point you just made where we've been game stacking a lot in the last couple of weeks i think this is this is one of those games um you see both quarterbacks are playable both running backs are playable all receivers are playable i think definitely dallas is more playable than um the giants but i mean kenny galladay had a lot of uses last week i mean over 100 yards seven seven targets he looked good last week so um and Shepard has looked pretty solid this year as a whole I mean if you take out last uh in week three he got hurt and if he's back this week we'll see but um I mean there's all across the board there's plays um 
and they're not the cheapest plays because these guys produce week in and week out. So it's kind of what are you comfortable with? I think Dalton Schultz has really emerged as the guy um, for the uh, for the Cowboys as far as tight ends go. I think Dar- Jarwin's been involved a bit, but I think Schultz has, has definitely secured himself as the number one um, and then some at this point. So my real question is like, I mean, again, it comes down to the conviction. Is it CD? Is it Cooper? Who knows? But uh, if you, I mean, Pollard has has looked pretty good as well. I know you're the Cowboys expert. What are you thinking as far as Zeke has looked really good too? So it's like, what would you do in that situation? Um, like right now, for example, if I'm building a lineup, I have 7,200 remaining. I can try to get Pollard and a cheaper guy, or I can go Zeke. Like. Most people will go Zeke, obviously, um, and I probably would too. But what's your thought on that? I know Pollard has been involved a lot. I know um, this Giants front defense is not very good. And he had 10 attempts. He's been consistently getting double-digit attempts. So what what have, what have you seen as far as watching the Cowboys games, where they're going? I know they're kind of all over the place. They're a big offensive explosion team. So what do you think? Well, as they build leads, so, so so in years past, especially with the Kellen Moore offense, we've seen a lot more passing. We've seen a larger pass rate over expectation and a greater pace for which they've played. Um, this year, they started out that way against Tampa Bay, then it slowed up against L.A., and then I think the trend has been as they played L.A., Philly, and then <clears> – excuse me uh, – L.A., Philly, and then even last week against the Panthers as they – uh, then built up a double-digit lead. I think they were up by three touchdowns at one point. They really were running the ball a lot more, and they slowed the pace down, and they wanted to just grind it out and run the ball. So when Dallas gets a lead, which we haven't seen much of Dallas getting the lead um, in like three years because they've just been so pathetic, um, but honestly, them coming out, jumping ahead, they're still seventh in situation-neutral pace, so they're going to come out and throw the ball when the game is close build that lead. And once they get it, they're just going to run the ball. And that's why Zeke has been so good the last three weeks and more particular the last two, because the um, wind differential is so much greater than it was against the chargers. And then of course they're trailing against Tampa Bay where they didn't even try to run it. So I think the thing I've noticed from Dallas is that they are very adaptable and game script dependent uh, for the skill position players, which is actually good because if, if they're a heavy favorite in a game, then yeah, you want to lean Zeke. Like they are almost the standard of what you would want from pre a fantasy prediction standpoint. Um, so yeah, if they're heavy favorite and a reasonable high total, yeah, I want Zeke. He's he's really overperformed from a touchdown standpoint. He just had his first hundred yard game last week. I uh, I know you know shout out to Andrew Spate. I know we've talked about this a ton. I think Zeke is overpaid. They should have let him walk. I think it's a terrible decision to keep him on the roster. Um, you know, keeping him at a position that just doesn't matter a ton. Uh, and I think Pollard is better. I think Pollard's more athletic, more explosive. And I think when it comes to tournaments, if you're in larger field tournaments, I think Pollard's someone you can squeeze in because he's locked in for double digit carries on a week to week basis and a plus matchup against a run, you know, the Giants, you can run the ball in the Giants. And so he's locked into 10 plus carries. He's very explosive and he's only got one touchdown on, on the year. Uh, thus far in the last three weeks, Zeke's gotten those touchdowns. So if Pollard's the one that falls in the end zone, like your game three play pops immediately at $1,400 less than what you paid for Zeke. Uh, when it comes to the Dallas wide receivers, I was on Cooper last week. I honestly kind of got lucky after he came back into the game with it, uh, following a little hamstring tweak. 
and he caught that long touchdown pass. I'm going right back to CeeDee Lamb. I think people are off of him. He was fairly highly on last week. CeeDee Lamb's price has dropped from the upper sixes and lower sevens at one point this year. He's now at 6,200, and I'm going right back to CeeDee Lamb. He is the favorite, one of the favorite targets in this passing offense. Uh, I think he's, he's had a couple down weeks, similar to what Mark Cooper had. I mean, Tyreek Hill had two straight weeks of like five points. I think CeeDee Lamb is almost a lock from this game, um, similar feeling to kind of what I had with uh, Keenan Allen, although this is a much more explosive game. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but I think Paul's a great GPP play at a cheap price, and I kind of like you more now that you kind of pointed a lot of that out to me. I think Zeke is a lock for a safe play, 20 carries. Um, but CeeDee Lamb at the end of the day is actually my favorite small field tournament play in this game and in a lot of my gpps of course i'm playing in those in the three to seven hundred uh entry range um and i think i'm really gonna like me a lot of cd lamb i don't know what i'm gonna bring it back with on the new york Giants side of the ball honestly um saquon has looked great very explosive uh kenny galladay getting healthier uh playing quite a bit more as well had uh, six catches for 116 yards last week. Uh, what do you think in between Galladay Barkley and uh, kind of what do you think about CD Lamb as well? I love the CD Lamb, the Lamb call. Um, like you said, two down weeks. I think people will be off him. Um, Cooper has kind of been a little more consistent as far as the whole season goes. I mean, uh, I guess really not. He had a big week one, tough two weeks. They're kind of in a similar boat, I think. Uh, but I think again, the more the recency bias will tell you that people will be off CD a little bit because of the last two weeks. So yeah, I do like that at 6,200. I think um, he's definitely worth more than that. I think there's a couple receivers on this entire slate that are worth more than what they're priced for, and he's definitely one of them. Um, Barkley, I was actually going to ask you about that. Barkley is a uh, he's looking good. So I think he's kind of full tilt now. Um, it looks like they're using him as they would if he were a hundred percent. So I think Barkley may be back and, uh, I'm happy to see that. I mean, he, he did awesome last week. He was, you know, a fumble away from a 30 point game. So, I mean, I trust him at 7,300. He's worth, he's definitely worth that. Um, if I'm going to pick between him and Zeke, that's a tough call. I think maybe save 300 bucks. I'd probably go Zeke. Um, against the Giants run defense, but I don't really think you can go wrong when you talk about studs. I mean, we always say matchup proof, and I think both these guys are. So that's kind of my thought process with those guys. I don't think it's far from what most people would say, but uh, the Giants receivers, I kind of have a hard time with. Just be like, I don't know. I DJs look better, and uh, Dallas definitely gives up a lot in the pass game, but. I don't know. It's hard for me to go at this. This is one of those like scattered wide receiver, wide receiver cores that, you know, one week Shepard will go off one week. Galladay will go. Um, last week, Tony had a nice game. Surprisingly. Uh, who's going to, who's going to do it this week. I don't know if it's a higher, higher pace, higher scoring game. I think they can either all be within a similar point range or one of them's going to go off. Uh, I'm probably leaning more towards they're all going to be similar uh, as far as their production. So probably not going to get any Giants receivers in. Um, I don't know if you feel differently, but I'm not a big fan of playing the Giants uh, receivers. If I'm going anyone on the Giants, 
it's Daniel Jones or uh, Saquon Barkley. And I can't believe I'm saying Daniel Jones, but uh, it's it's possible. I mean, he's looked pretty good this year for, from his fantasy perspective. Yeah, and I feel like on a week-to-week basis, he's going to go overlooked as well. Um, I mean, he really has looked good. He scored 22, 29, 16, and then 30, uh, nearly 31 last week. You know, he's, he's, he's really looked good. He does actually offer a fair amount of rushing upside as well. Uh, we saw that in the first couple weeks of the season where he had uh, one touchdown in weeks one and another one in week two. No rushing touchdowns the last couple weeks, but still picking up three or four points on the ground while he threw for significantly more uh, yardage. Over 400 yards against New Orleans last week. That was a big surprise. Definitely can't run on them. I, uh, I, I was certainly surprised at that right there. Um, he's looked good. He has upside. And from a fantasy perspective, we've always known that. It's just Jason Garrett's capped, capped his rush, uh, fantasy point upside. So, yeah, you can certainly go back there against a Dallas team that has looked better defensively, but isn't like – like they've looked better against wide receiver ones. Like Trevon Diggs looks incredible. Uh, but overall, Dallas just isn't – they're not scary on the defensive side. So, I think the Giants can put up a lot of points here. Uh, I think Dallas should have no problem against the Giants defense, which has clearly regressed from last year. Um, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I do think, I mean, this is a game with a 52 point over under. Um, Giants are playing with a little more pace than they were in situation neutral situations last year. Dallas is doing their usual thing in situation neutral we hit on. This could certainly be a fun game. This could be, like you said at the beginning of it, a game where you could go game stack and grab multiple pieces from this game i think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch but before we wrap it up here you got any final thoughts on this game you got any final thoughts on this uh, slate full of mini stacks only a couple full-blown game stacks we've covered every play from every angle give the people a lot to think about a lot of news to pay attention to from an injury standpoint this week any final thoughts on this game or the slate rob well yeah there's there's a lot of plays this week I mean, scattered all across the board, especially coming off of last week, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, was a high-scoring game or a high-scoring fantasy point total. Uh, it felt like across the board. So, I think there are certain guys like the CD Lambs or the Keenan Allen's that are really cheap this week that we're not going to see that in the future. And I think people are going to be off of those guys a little more than they are or have been in the past. So, I think those are definitely things to look out for. Um, certainly have to look out for the Joe Mixon news, Dalvin Cook news, uh, and Christian McCaffrey news. Those are really three huge, um, huge potential plays, uh, especially if Cook is out. Madison is certainly going to get in my lineup. If McCaffrey's in, we already talked about that. He's so playable at 8,400. So certain things you got to pay attention to this week. We'll certainly keep an eye on it and uh, keep you guys posted. But other than that, uh, I, I'm ready to go, man. I think I think we made some good points here tonight, and, and I know this is probably a little longer than we would have liked to go. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, when there's all these games that have these mini stacks, like you said, or these, it just seems like there's a whole lot more people playable this week than usual, um, and there's not a lot of game stacks, so harder to break down um, certain games when there are less game stacks. So. It was good though. I had fun doing it. I, those are that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I think there's there's a whole lot of opportunity this week, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. 
Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it as well. And I love the midweek pods. You get like the extra day to kind of digest all the information, yeah. figure out what's going on um, as well. So uh, hopefully the listeners do as well, folks, you know, where you can find, find us, find him at Rob McW 24 on Twitter, find me at Cody Ingle on Twitter as well. And you know where to find all the roster up media channels at roster up media on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, like us, share us, leave us a comment, whatever you're feeling, share it with your friends, rosterupmedia.com. You got a favorite team, go check it out. You don't find your favorite team. Let us know if you're interested in participating with us here at rosterupmedia.com. We're growing. We've got a lot of shows out already. Got a lot more coming. Check out the season long guys. If you were looking for a week for review and week five preview from a season long perspective, as always stay tuned for the DFS player pool coming out this weekend. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.